What I want to talk about this morning is the final condition. The final condition from Luke chapter 11. If you're turning in your Bibles to Luke 11, you can shout amen when you got it. The final condition. I must say that I have read this many times as probably you have if you have uh, if you are a student of the word of God. And uh, never got quite out of this what the Lord showed me this week. <clears throat> Jesus has been accused of driving out a demon who caused a man to be mute. And in verse number 15, he said, By the power of Beelzebub, or Beelzebub the prince of demons, in verse 15, the devil, which is really the devil who is behind all false gods, all false deities and all belief systems outside of the true, the one true God of the Bible. And here was Jesus' reply in chapter 11, verse 19. Jesus said this, Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of, heaven, of God has come upon you. We know that the kingdom of God has come to earth through Jesus Christ. And while we can reflect on the totality of the scriptures that, that we now have in the word of God, uh, the witnesses that day had seen the true power of God through the miracles that Jesus had provided. They had, provi they had seen them, they had seen them that very day. They experienced the power of God. And they were really questioning, looking for a reason not to believe. That while asking for more signs to prove it. And there's another part of the scripture where Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign because you already have the word of God. You've got Moses and the prophets. And if you're not going to believe the word of God, I'm not going to give you something special just to cause you to believe because you've got the word of God. I've met people that says, oh, I just need a reason to believe. No, you don't. You have the word of God. That's all the reason that you need. The word of God. You don't need some special thing, sky to open up and some miracle to happen. Although God does perform miracles, He does cause things to happen. And people do believe because of the miracles. And that's really, we see that over and over in the Bible. But God's not going to make a special exception in your case. It's like, well, just prove it to me. No, He's not going to entertain your curiosity just so you can be satisfied intellectually. Because intellectuality doesn't have anything to do with faith in Jesus Christ and salvation. Jesus goes on to say in verse number 21, He said, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. In other words, if Jesus' power was not from God, He would not be able to overpower the devil or the strong man as He tries to hold on to the spiritual house that will fall 
to the mighty power of God because the devil, although he may be a strong man, he can't hold on to the house when he is overpowered by the power of God through Jesus Christ because Jesus is the ultimate power. There is a decision that has to be made and each one of us has to make that choice. Who is going to be in control of my house? Who is in control of my house? In verse 23, Jesus said this, Whoever is not with me is against me. I want that to sink in. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. It's not possible to be on the spiritual fence teetering between a relationship with Jesus Christ and Satan and the world. That fence straddling uh, that, that, that posture will never work because when you try to be, you try to please everybody. We see it in our politicians. They try to please everybody. Well, I'll make you happy and I'll say this. And I'll make them happy and I'll say this. We want to be somewhere in the middle so we can be appealing with everybody. It doesn't work when spiritual things are concerned and it certainly doesn't work in your relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no neutral or middle ground between Christ's kingdom and the power of evil. If you are not opposed to evil and opposed to Satan, then you are opposed to Christ. We are in a war and the battle lines have been drawn, church. The battle lines have been drawn. Sadly, many people have chosen just to lay their weapons of warfare aside and just accept whatever comes down the pike. May I tell you that accepting culture and culture ideas will never get you closer to God. It will never draw you closer in your relationship to Jesus Christ. And it will never gain you respect from anyone. Other people may say, oh, well, you're accepting of this now. Well, I know that most Christians aren't, but you are. I think that's great. There are churches and individuals who have started down that road of peril. And they get further and further and further away from God. You're either on the side of Christ and righteousness or you're on the side of Satan and the ungodly. It's like somebody trying to justify a lie. Oh, it's a little white lie. Well, it don't matter if it's white, black, yellow, brown, red, purple. A lie is a lie. Well, technically, I didn't lie. No, but you deceived. And deceit is a lie. Don't try to split hairs with the Word of God. It doesn't work. How close can I live to the edge and still be a Christian? When Jesus says, how close can you live to me and I'll keep you from getting close to the edge. We went to the Grand Canyon a few weeks ago. And uh, there are some places that you can go, and it's a sheer drop-off. I saw some people who, I'm sorry, they were just 
foolish. <laughs> Wasn't the word I had in mind, but it's probably a better word. They were just foolish. They were out there, way out. Like, there were some people that sat on the edge and had their feet dangling off, and I'm, I'm thinking, those people are crazy. <laughs> All it takes is one little move or something, and, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how prevalent earthquakes are in Arizona, but one of those happened to hit, and you'd be gone. I even had an admonition from Annette when she thought I was going to get too close and I, I was stepping this way. She said, don't get too close. I'm not, I'm not getting that close. I can see a little bit over here. <laughs> I did remember when the kids were little and we went to the Grand Canyon and that was before smartphones and all that kind of stuff. And we had a, a camera that used film. For those of you under 30, film is this stuff that comes... It looks, well, I could explain it if I could explain a cassette tape, but they don't know what that is either. Um, <laughs> film is this uh, stuff that's, uh, that's rolled up in a roll, and you put it in the camera, and it stretches and actually prints something in there, and you have to actually take it to the store, and they develop it for you, and you have no idea what the picture looks like until days later when you get it back. I remember when we started with smartphones and and digital cameras and stuff like that and how we used to how I, I had an old film camera and I I, I, uh, I was putting the film camera out like that I'm like oh that's not digital I gotta put it up to my eye to look you know uh, but anyway we had one of these old film cameras that had a timer on it I think it was a little dial on top that you would push and I set it in the fork of this little tree and they were standing there waiting for me to take a picture I'm sure we could probably find the picture somewhere 10 second timer or whatever, the Grand Canyon in the background, we're probably about a good 10, 15 feet away from the edge. But as I set that camera in there and as I started back over there, I tripped on a rock. <laughs> I didn't fall, I just, you know, tripped a little bit and the thought in my mind thought, oh great, last picture of this man is as he's going, whoa, over the edge. <laughs> That'd be bad. Wasn't my intention. But if it happened, I shouldn't have been that close to the edge. <laughs> Playing church and having one foot in the world simply won't work. You can't sort of live by the Bible or sort of being sort of be a Christian. It doesn't work. Many of us would have no problem telling of what Jesus has done for us. He's done so much for us. He saved our soul from sin. He wiped the slate clean. He was the sacrifice. His blood shed, washed our sins away, never to be remembered against us again. How powerful is that? But the true question really is, is although we can recite what the Lord has done for us, what have we done for Jesus? What have we done for Jesus? Jesus was also saying that whoever does not actively gather with Him, as that verse said, meaning that bringing, fel bringing together fellow believers 
scatters, meaning they are, they are damaging the witness to and causing harm to others that believe. If you're not doing, in other words, if you're not doing something that promotes Jesus Christ and your relationship with Him and bringing people together, then you're doing the opposite and you're damaging your witness of the kingdom of God. I never want to damage the witness to the kingdom of God. How can we do that? By living outside of the fruit of the Spirit. When we allow our emotions to get the best of us and our behaviors to get the best of us or we succumb to temptation, we are damaging the witness for the cause of Christ. Why is all of this important? Because the final condition of your soul is more important than anything. The final condition of your soul is more important than anything. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by the final condition? Glad you asked. Let's read on. Verse 24. When it, uh, this is what Jesus said about evil or impure spirits. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go on and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Why is that final condition of that person worse? When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we are delivered and we're set free from sins. This is only the first step. We all also must commit to radical obedience to the Word of God. I'm going to do what this Word of God says regardless of what I think or what others think or what others say. <coughs> we must also commit to prayer and righteousness, which is, which is our right standing with God. We've got to take care of our right standing with God. We only have right standing with God through Jesus Christ, but we are caretakers of this spiritual house. And we must make sure that we keep our relationship with Jesus a top priority. There are many parts of Scripture where, where, you, where the relationship between Christ and the followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ, are compared in a bridal relationship like the bride of Christ. Christ being the groom. And there's a lot of similarities in there. How would it be if, if we say, well, I'm married, but I haven't spoken to my wife in three years. <laughs> Some people can look at your relationship and it's like, y'all don't look married. You don't act married. You don't act like you love each other. Something's going on. Something's not right. Same thing is true in our spiritual relationship and our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. <coughs> We have to take care of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We also must be committed to being full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a teacher, the Word of God tells us. And it will guide us. He will guide us into all truths in the Word of God. You want to know what the Word of God means and what it, what it, how it applies to your life? In your prayer closet, you get along with God. And as you read and you study the Word of God, He will reveal things to you, what the Word of God means. Lord, I've read this so many times and then all of a sudden your eyes can be opened to something that it just clicks inside your spirit and you know that something applies to your life. I've said this to many who prayed with, uh, for salvation. 
they come up and then when we get done praying and they accept Christ as Lord and Savior, they, they believe in Him. And that's really all that's required is that you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I said, now you have to be careful because the first thing that the enemy of your soul is going to do is he's going to come to you and say, you're no different than you were before. Nothing has changed. That was just emotion. And that, don't, don't even think about it. Your decision was meaningless. And he will especially try to convince you when you've made a mistake or you sin. And he will convince you, he will try to convince you that, oh, you might as well give up on that Christian thing because it's no use. You're no different than you were before. But that's how the devil operates. The Bible says that he's a father of lies. Everything he does is a lie. So if he tries to do something to interfere with your relationship with Jesus Christ, and that thought comes, just dismiss it. And I've said this before, the three things that make you strong in your faith in the Lord is to read your Bible, to pray and attend church and do those things as often as you possibly can. They will keep you strong in your faith in the Lord. And don't listen to what the enemy says. First uh, John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How many know that we have the ability to sin? We have the ability to make a mistake. But this scripture says that we should confess our sins because He is faithful and he, was, he is just. Just because we accept Jesus and we confess that He is Lord in our life does not mean that our life is going to be rosy and without any issues at all. Far from it. We're going to have issues. You're going to have trials and you're going to have, you're going to have tribulations that come your way. You're going to have events that come into your life just like they come into those who are, who are unsaved, who don't know Jesus. Those things are going to come. Life is going to happen. But I know this, I would much rather go through it with Jesus than without Him. Amen. As a matter of fact, the enemy of your soul will start to step up the pressure. Anytime you step out to try to do something for Jesus Christ, He's going to try to stop you. I've shared this story before, and I'll just briefly run through it. Several years ago, we were uh, in a financial position that was really kind of tough. It was right after 9-11, and um, we had, uh, my workload was cut, and, and we were living just paycheck to paycheck, and we couldn't pay our bills. And I was new to having credentials with the Assemblies of God, and they had, uh, we had to, back before the, before the internet was so prevalent, we had our monthly report that we had to fill out by hand and we had to mail it in. And we mailed in our, our, uh, our, our tithe to the district. And so there was a place on this form for a prayer request. I just put prayer request for financial needs. I had no idea. That will be published in the magazine that went to every minister in the state of Oklahoma. I, I was new, and uh, but it did. And we got a call from, this was uh, Charles Matlock, who pastored in Turley for about 30 years. He called and asked me to come and preach a revival. During this revival, uh, the Lord moved greatly. But in the middle of this revival, here's the man of God doesn't have money to pay his bills. 
our home phone gets disconnected during this revival. And I'm th- because we didn't we couldn't pay the bill. And it's like, boy, that's a boost to your faith right there. Get out in front of people, preach the word of God in power. God's man of faith and power can't pay, can't pay his bills, getting things shut off. But God is great all the time. Can I tell you that the devil always steps up pressure? Whenever you're trying to do something for God. He's doing that even as we speak, as we try to... To, to minister to Mitchell Elementary. He does that. Mm-hmm. He will do that anytime you try to make a decision for Christ to follow Him or to do something for the kingdom of God. And I just want you to know, so you will recognize, you will recognize what God is doing. Now, God moved greatly through that church and blessed us. It was a small church. That was the one I, I testified and told the story that the they, they gave us the largest offering we'd ever seen, I think. And, and we didn't really evangelize all that much, but um, it, all the offerings that we had were the largest one was from that church. And then they gave us the grocery pounding at the, end of the serve, at the end of the week. And we had more groceries than we had space to put it. Um, I, we'd never bought that many groceries in all of our lives. Natalie, you probably remember that, don't you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it was humbling, but it was powerful. And we thank the Lord for it. Satan's power does not end just because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. He'll never give up trying to bring you down in some form or fashion. That's what he does. This is what Jesus told Peter about Satan in Luke 22, verse 31. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. If you get the gravity of what Jesus was saying, he said, the devil says, I want to mash all of you through that sifter. I want you to be nothing except just pulverize when I get done with you. And Satan has come to the authority of Jesus Christ and said, I want to do this to your disciples. That's his desire. I just want to pulverize you. And what Jesus said this, he says, he didn't tell him that the devil wasn't going to do that, but what he said was, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. If you catch the, 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 the weight of that, what he's saying is that It's your responsibility to make sure that your faith does not fail. So when something comes against you that we know is from the devil, some sickness, some heartache, some disappointment, some despair, something that is just so big that you can't handle, make sure that your faith does not fail. It is critical that you make sure that your faith in Jesus Christ remains strong. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, this was included. He said in Matthew 6.13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many know he's evil? Jesus, deliver us 
from the evil one. The only safe place from sin and Satan comes through your complete and your full commitment to Jesus Christ. I said it before that we're in a war. And as fully committed believers, we, always, we, are, we will always be engaged in spiritual conflict with the devil and with evil. If you're not in conflict with the devil, maybe you should get closer to the Lord. Well, Pastor, I don't want to be in conflict. Well, see, there's a, there's a problem there. The problem is, is if we are not close to the Lord, we won't ever do anything for Him. If you're close to the Lord, He demands obedience. And He gets that message through. I understand this because being called to preach at the age of 16, I backed away a little bit because I thought, that's really a lot, Lord. I don't really want to do that. And so I kind of drifted away from the Lord a little bit. But when I came back to the Lord at the age of 19, and as I got closer and closer to the Lord, the call was still there. Nobody, people don't dream up what God wants you to do. God has a plan. I mean, who in their right mind would want to get up in front of people and be subject of scrutiny and criticism and open yourself up to potential, uh, you know, whatever? In the natural, it doesn't make any sense. But we don't serve a natural God. We serve a supernatural God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. How many know that the devil is a skeeving, conniving... We used to sing a song in Booster Band called Sly Old Fox. It's what he is. Some of his schemes are fear, doubt, unforgiveness, temptation, spiritual apathy, which is indifference and coldness. Well, it just, it's okay. I, it, it really gets to me when I run across people who can't make a decision. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's one thing to kind of not care about something that doesn't make any difference. You know, like somebody says, do you want ham or turkey? It doesn't matter. And they give you something and you're satisfied with it. I mean, it's not like, you know, your spouse tells you, where do you want to go eat? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, well, let's go here. No, I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, it does matter. You mean every place except that one. Um, but you know, uh, you, I mean, it, it's it's really when people when it's like, well, it really doesn't matter, folks. It does matter. It matters. Our spiritual condition, our final condition, is going to matter. In Luke eleven twenty four. Again, this part of the scripture says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest, does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Those verses refer to believers who have been delivered from demonic 
activity and demonic spirits, but have not kept their spiritual house swept clean. And they've left the door open to the enemy. This also, I believe, applies to sin. Jesus cleans us. He saves us. But it is up to us to stay clean and to stay saved. We have to take care of our spiritual house. We can feel great after we've committed our lives to the Lord. But as I mentioned, the devil's going to be right there to try to, to bring stuff back into the house. And the problem is that once the house is swept clean, we got to keep it swept clean. we got to make sure we shut the door and don't let the enemy in anymore. How do we do that? You stop hanging around with the people you used to hang around with. You stop doing the things that you used to do. You get in a church where you'll be surrounded by believers who will lift you up and encourage you and pray with you. And, and you may think, well, I just don't know. I've been involved in this addiction so long. I don't know if I can get, I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I can lay it aside. Yes, you can because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there is power in numbers. You will never have deliverance completely as long as you flirt with the world and as long as you hang out on his turf. We don't hear a lot preached about this anymore, in my estimation. There's a lot said about committing your life to Christ, but not yet much about true repentance, which is turning completely away from everything that is not godly and turning toward Jesus Christ. And Him embracing as the only way. It's time for people to close the door to the devil. Close the door to temptation. Close the door to fear. Close the door to unbelief. Close the door to spiritual apathy and doubt and unforgiveness. Do you know that unforgiveness can cause you, your final condition to be where it misses out with God? Bitterness and unforgiveness will eat away at your spiritual house and eventually you'll be so full of it that Jesus has no more room in your life. Jesus said it this way. If you have something against your brother and you've come to bring me something, I don't want anything from you until you go make it right. That's what he said. Unforgiveness will destroy you. You have got to let that go and give it to the Lord. If you don't, then your final condition will be worse than at the first. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus healed an invalid man who had been crippled for 38 years, John 5, 5 tells us. And in verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Verse 14, later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See you, who are, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. There's a belief in Christian circles that, well, I know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I've just got to accept that I'm a sinner saved by grace, that I just know that I'm going to, I'm just going to have to, I just can't avoid sinning a little bit every day. Yes, you can. You can live without sinning. Three of you. You can live without sinning. You can. Jesus told the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, He said, go and don't sin anymore. It would be 
It would be foolish for us to think that Jesus would give a command to a woman to do something that she had not the ability to do. Go and don't sin anymore. He told this man who had been healed from being an invalid, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. The key church is to take care of the spiritual house. Make sure your relationship with Jesus is right and good and where it's supposed to be. And stop sinning or something else is going to happen to you. Your final condition is going to be worse than your first because if you give an inch to sin, you give an inch to temptation, doubt, fear, all of those things, they will come and they will try to, they will keep knocking at your door all of the time and they will never give up. They will be relentless. But what you need is not just a one-time commitment to Jesus Christ but you need a life of commitment to Jesus Christ and a life of saying I am going to be delivered from that once and for all doesn't mean it's never going to come back but what it does mean is when you have set your spirit and you've set your mind on the deliverance that Jesus provides then you know that when it calls you don't have to answer when the knock comes at the door I'm not opening that door to you, devil. It's closed. It's closed. That's the way it is. My former pastor Steve Bookout used to say, you know, people, they get caught up in these temptations to sin, and you know that the enemy's going to come back to you. He's going and it may not be it may not be something that you um, something different for you than it is it may be something different for one than it is for another whatever the weak area is whatever you've had issues with before that's what the devil's going to try to hit home with what Pastor Steve Bookhouse said he said what you need to do is get some scriptures and know in your spirit what prayer you're going to pray because you know he's going to be back And when that happens, you recognize it for what it is and you do what the Word of God says and you take that thought and make it obedient to the knowledge of Christ and you say, devil, I am not going to listen to you. This is what the Word of God says and I am not going to open the door. Church, again, we are at war, which will be spiritual battle after spiritual battle until Jesus calls us home. In the parable of the persistent widow, Jesus said this in Luke 18, verse 7. He said, And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Will He find faith on the earth? As the time for Jesus' return draws near and our time on earth comes to an end, the devil and his evil influences will try even harder to attack the people of God. We've seen it in in, in mainstream culture. Things that happened now five or ten years ago, you certainly wouldn't have thought of them happening. If you could put yourself in a time capsule and everybody remembers technologically where we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and you can think these different technological inventions that have happened and made our lives better. I mean, you know, some of us can remember 
Some of us can remember black and white television. Some of us can remember before television. Some of us, some of us can remember all these different things. Some of us can remember before cell phones, before smartphones. Some of us can remember dial-up internet. But if you go back to that time and you think about spiritually how things were in the church world, in the respect that people had for Christians and for godly influence. And if you just take that mindset and you just encapsulate that and put it here, if people were able to transport through time and go from then to now, they would be shocked. But yet not. My grandma's 98 years old and when she goes to sleep at night, she says, she told me this the other day, she said, I'm almost 99 years old. And she says, I have so many memories. And when I lay down at night, she's like, you wouldn't believe all the years and things that I can think about. And it takes her a while to stop thinking about all these things that may have happened 70 years ago. You know, I mean, just different stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot. She said, it's just like a computer. It just doesn't want to shut off. There's a lot to think about. And I think about all the changes that she's seen. I think about how it breaks the heart of God to see the moral decline, not only of the ungodly, but the moral decline of people who once were children of God. Yes. Backsliding is one thing. I've lived in a backslidden condition before and it wasn't, I'm not proud of it. Wished it had never happened. But it's one thing to get away from God completely. But it's quite another to be understood, to identify with Christ as being a Christian and to be indifferent in your soul towards sin and toward the things of God. I go to church. I give. I volunteer. But I'm going to look the other way and I'm not going to think much about sin. I don't want to be confrontational. How many know Jesus was confrontational? He was very confrontational. And he called it like he said, like he saw it. Many Christians as well as once Bible-believing denominations have already walked away from their faith in some form or fashion. Churches who 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago were on fire for God, evangelizing the lost. Jesus is the only way to leave sin and embrace Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel has not changed. The good news is still the good news of Jesus Christ. The question I ask is, what will be the final condition of your soul? Will you persevere in your faith, continue constantly in prayer, or will you be consumed or preoccupied by this earthly life? 
And the pace of our society today, the pace of life seems to just have increased substantially. Now I understand, I, I've been on a sabbatical for my job. This, this week is the fifth week that I've been on my sabbatical and it's been, it's been nice. I mean, in a, in a way, I do some things that I didn't do before. We do, and, and that's kind of been on a sabbatical as well. We, we're doing things that we didn't get the chance to do, but I noticed I sleep in a little longer. I stay up a little later. Because I don't have to get up at a certain time in the morning. But I can't imagine. <coughs> Although I'm not working vocationally during this time, I can't imagine taking a sabbatical for my walk in faith with Jesus. I can't imagine just saying, oh, well, I'm on vacation. I don't have to pay attention to the things of God anymore. I'm on vacation. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. Oh, I prayed at church, so I don't have to pray at home. There's one for you. I read my Bible at church, so I don't have to read my Bible at home. How will... How will the end of your earthly journey end? And the fact is, none of us know. None of us know that we'll be here tomorrow. It doesn't matter what age you are. I've known people that were very young that have gone. So it doesn't matter. Just like that. What will be the final condition of your soul? Live for Jesus and listen to what he said was the most important commandment of all time. And I'm going to close with this verse. Mark chapter 12, verse number 3. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Mark 12, 3. Love the Lord, with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The totality of our being must be devoted to Jesus Christ. How will we finish? We have to stay in the race, church. There's a finish line that must be crossed. We don't know when this life is going to be over for us. None of us knows when will be our final moments on earth. The only time that we have is right now. Keep your, keep your spiritual house swept and close the door to the devil. And if there's changes that need to be made, make them now. Because now's the only time that we have. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. When tomorrow never comes. It may never come. We don't know. I want my final condition to be such that we hear his voice and he says, enter into the joys of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many. The day's coming and Jesus will be here very soon. We must occupy until he comes. Do our utmost for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your admonition to remind us, Lord, to keep our spiritual house in order.
to close the door to the enemy. To shut the door. In the name of Jesus. I praise you God. That you have given us the ability. To say devil. I'm not going to give you place anymore. I'm going to sweep out the spiritual house today. And all these things that he's brought in are not going to stay. They're going to be gone. And I'm going to shut them outside the door. First and foremost, I commit my life to you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you are my Savior. And I surrender to you. And then next... Lord, I trust you to help me live for you each and every day. Each day when new challenges and temptations come, new trials and difficulties come, you're going to be there. <laughs> Let me not dwell on the circumstances. Let me not dwell on the trouble. Let me dwell on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance, but it starts with the action of us saying, Lord, my faith in you is not going to waver. My faith in you is going to be strong. Even though the devil's trying to pulverize me, my faith will be strong because I have fellow believers that will agree with me. And I have Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.